Hey, welcome to the weekly Calvary Bible Podcast, where we connect what happened over the weekend to your real life lived Monday through Friday. I am one of your hosts, Thomas Milburn, with my good friend Jay Ewing back in the booth, fresh off the bingo. Hello, Thomas. Hey man, it was fun to listen to the podcast last week. Thanks for holding down the fort for me. Oh man, it was good. We were talking about lawn care, yeah. <laughs> almond butter, spiritual things connected to natural things in my life. Oh man, that's so true. And I really enjoyed actually your conversation with John. So if you haven't heard it, you need to go to the last podcast here on the weekly. Also do us a solid, get to wherever you get your podcast from and give us a review, a five star, nothing below a five star. Right? Not interested in anything less than a five star review. Uh, that just helps get the word out about our podcast and we want you to connect this podcast to other people in your life if you find it value others will find it value and thanks for doing that on our behalf all right jay so a question that has been in my mind since i saw you last yeah and i don't know if i'm even saying the words right but have have you ever eaten something out of a sous vide sous vide sous vide sous vide i don't know what is that a rolling hot dog <laughs> no Thanks. No. All right, so I was at the the Psy Farm. They okay. invited us over for dinner. Yeah. After hosting like five other parties and a home group that morning. Mm-hmm. And they made steaks for us. Ooh. Yeah. What but I went in the house and I, I thought they were making steaks in a fish tank. Yeah. That's what it looked like. And Stan was saying that it's not a fish tank that I thought it was. Yeah. It's a thing called maybe a sous vide or sous vide. Okay. I don't know. I have no clue what this is. Dude, it's amazing. So with these vacuum sealed steaks yeah he put them in this i don't know machine that seriously just think of like a fish tank okay and it keeps it perfectly at 133 degrees okay and then you pull them out and you sear them and serve so they're in the vacuum sealed thing the whole time yes so it's like boiling water no it's It's like sous vide (laughs) (laughs) so it's a sauna for your steaks I'm from Texas, man. Just throw it on the grill and call it good. Yeah, but it's okay. So you know how when you're trying to get that perfect medium rare? Yeah. I'm assuming you eat your steaks medium rare. Definitely. Okay. Why would you do anything else? I don't know. So you're ruining a steak that you bought for 20 bucks? But like in the like the center centerpiece is like, yeah. you know, the most rare. And then usually it just gets less rare right. to the edges. Well, with this technique, as Dan was describing it to yeah. me, which turned out to be very true. The whole steak then wow. is perfectly medium rare. Right. And then it's just seared on the outside. Just seared on the outside. So it's just like that colors all the way to the edge. Almost. Yeah. So I went from living high on the hog <laughs> on Sunday with, yeah. with the size. Totally. To you and I just enjoying your first ever rolly hot dog. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, Thomas is one of his favorite things to do is take people to the gas station for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah where, where else would you want to eat yeah totally I can't imagine so and we went to the quickie mart no we went to uh mavericks mavericks give a little shout out to our sponsor mavericks that i had to pay for my own hot dogs yeah They're a terrible sponsor but <laughs> we went there on our way to go see some other friends friends at calvary and we got them a really hot dog yeah they 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 appreciated yeah. that and what did we compliment our hot dogs with jay uh gas station onions and Relish. True, true. We had a complex palate and yeah. we really garnished them well. Right. But after we oh, enjoyed. Okay. okay, the food podcast continues here, huh? You Did you, zingers? What are they called? 
I don't even know what they are. They're a hostess thing. A uh, hostess. It was like zebra, two zebra cakes or zebra something. Zebra cakes, yeah. yeah. And then uh, cupcakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. By hostess. Mm. Anyway, wow. we're doing great today. <laughs> but we don't want to waste your time. Yeah, we don't want to waste your time on the Food Podcast Network. But yes, that is your favorite things. And this is so funny. It's one of you, them. You're a man of like many. You go from that fancy steak thing to... Really yeah. hot dog. Getting a sous vide. To a tube steak. <laughs> yes. I wonder if anyone's ever cooked a hot dog in a sous vide. <laughs> Probably not. All the life mysteries. Hey, let's change the turn the corner here, man. Uh, we've lost you down. What, what's coming podcast. up at Calvary yeah, what's this coming Sunday up? and next Monday night? If you go to calvarybible.com slash events, you'll find out what's happening at Calvary. First and foremost, if you're new to Calvary, starting points happening this weekend on all three campuses. So get online, get registered. Also, we have the annual meeting, April 26th. It's a Monday night on the Boulder campus, and it's either in person or registered for on Zoom, and you'll get a link to that. And if you're a member at Calvary, we'd love to have you at the annual meeting. Also, coming very soon, Mother's Day is right around the corner, by the way. Yeah. Are you you better get on this. Oh. We have Mother's Day. We have child dedication on Mother's Day this year. Which last year we missed in-person child dedication, so I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of them. I would imagine there are some there's some COVID babies that out have there. multiplied, <laughs> having been quarantined with each other for a year. Yeah, totally. So child dedication is happening. Get on CalvaryBible.com. Check that out. Also, and finally, in the one of the coolest things, I think the greatest news I've heard this week is Maranatha Summer Camp, Middle School Summer Camp, is happening. So go to CalvaryBible.com. Sign up your middle schooler for summer camp. It's June 21st through the 26th, and that is a great event. I'm glad to see that back and excited what the Lord's going to do at summer camp. I love camp. There's a lot of memories from camp. Yeah. Some good, some bad. <laughs> yeah, mostly good, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. There are, there are some embarrassing moments where I, I probably cried myself <laughs> to sleep somewhere. Yeah, but I love summer camp. But that's a perfect segue. Yeah. To our conversation today. Okay, what's the segue? Come on, connect the dots here. So we're continuing our Market Up series. Yeah, we're and in First Thessalonians. We, we did finished the rest of chapter one on Sunday. Right. And one of the things that Paul commends the church in Thessalonica for is the fact they imitated Paul. Mm. So Paul was imitating the Lord, and then they began to imitate Paul, and then other churches in the region began to imitate them, and this just this passing on of the summer camp tradition. See what I yeah. did there? Oh, yeah. I see the connection there. Yeah. So you had like this great staff person, a guy in their life, a woman in their life that had you know their faith that you were inspired by, that you began to act like them, think like them. You probably went home and bought a poster of their favorite sports team or whatever. Right. Who in your life oh, man. was that important so to good. your life about uh, imitating? Well, he's, he is a great man in my life. His name is Nate Carnes, and he, at the time, he was the worship slash sort of the associate youth minister at my home church, and he used to wear Chacos before it was cool to wear Chacos, and he Wait, listened. Pause. Is what? it cool to wear Chacos now? Oh, it's definitely cool it to okay. wear Chacos. So, I'll put um, that in my... And he was single at the time in his mid-20s, cool, long hair, beard, he had he listened to really cool Jesus music, um, and we all wanted to be like him. He played the guitar, you know what I mean. But that man is so influential in my life because he would pick me up from high school lunch. So in Texas, you could get off campus for lunch. I don't know if you can do that in Colorado. Certain schools have different rules. Yeah, but yes, you can get off he, campus. He would pick me up and take me over to uh, 
one of our places to get a slice of pizza and he would just be present in my life over and over again, baptize me. And I wanted to be Nate Carnes when I grew up. So good. Yeah. Okay. So what was it that captured your attention about besides, you know, the Chacos and the guitar and yeah. the long hair? What was it about his faith that you said, okay, this guy's putting some things together for me that I want to have in my life? Yeah, he would just listen. He he had a lot of presence in his own life with listening to me, um, listening to the conversation, and then very genuine in his own faith, his own struggles, his own life, um, what was going on in the world. And I thought his faith was just very real, everyday type faith. And I really wanted that. That's super cool, man. I never yeah. heard that story before. No, man. And you know what? I still write him probably... Every two or three years, I either text him or write him and just tell him thanks so much for what he meant in my life. Because he was there for two years of my life before I went off to Bible college and um, just very influential. All right. So one thing I I would just tell you that's really cool about that story is I think some of those attributes are your attributes. Yeah. Where you are a really good listener, you're genuine, and you have a real faith that's, you know, consistent during the day. Like, you're not a different person. Well, thanks, Thomas. I really appreciate that. I owe a lot to the Lord for Nate Carnes in yeah. my life. Yeah. You know what's cool about that story is, so Nate, you said two years in your life? Yeah. That's not a long time. No. Right? I think I, I have a similar story where a short period of time, someone was instrumental in my life, helping me understand what is masculine Christianity. Like, yeah. And you've, you've shared this story, but I think it's really important for all of us to sort of hear this individual who worked in the Air Force, right? Is yeah. Air Force? So he, he was an Air Force ROTC cadet at the University of Colorado. Super awesome dude that just put a put up with my shenanigans, like really struggling with just anger, violence, et cetera, and trying to put the faith piece together and seeing it lived out in him as a masculine man that right. wasn't toxic, but really showed me how like strength under control um, power under control, that meekness, that gentleness that Jesus had was really a desirable trait. And so I still just so thankful for him. And that was a short window. Right. And I think, you know, Paul was in Thessalonica for a short period of time. I'm not exactly sure what the three Sabbaths mean. If it's three sequential Sabbaths, that could get you up to five weeks, or if it's three Sabbaths over a few months, it's right. not certain. But that's a short period of time to be influential. And I, I don't know, I just think for everyone who's listening to know that even what seems to be a small investment on your part, whether it's just a semester with students or it's just a few months with a neighbor or a coworker, that could have lifelong impacts. I mean, we're still right. talking about guys that jumped in our life for short seasons. Right. Totally. Or, you know, even you help uh, elementary age kids read. You know, all those little things add up to collective, influential, monumental moments for someone's story. I think that's super important. Yeah, I think... When we talk about this in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and we talk about the city of Thessalonica, it's a really influential city. You know, we don't really understand the city because it's not on any of our radars as like Rome or Paris. Wait, or you London. don't know where modern day Thessaloniki is? I know where it's at on the map. <laughs> However, I, you know, no commerce goes through there. There's no culture yeah, no. coming there. And at this time, it, that was a different story. It was one of the three free cities in the Roman world, which means that they, you were explaining what a free city is. So yeah, if you it. wanted to be, you know, a free city, uh, there are several things you had to go through, but that would be, you know, something that you'd want to be influenced by. So probably 
this is a city that's influential. Like you think of a New York, right. San Francisco, and L.A. and Erie, Colorado. Totally, Erie, yeah. Colorado. We're just like shaping culture, <laughs> right? But being a free city is a big deal because there's a few bon- you know benefits that come with that. Is because you're such a valuable city and your allegiance is solidified to Rome. Mm. You don't have to have soldiers in the streets. You don't have to have their Roman governors. You're allowed to govern yourself mm-hmm. um, with you know with selected officials. And then you don't have to pay certain taxes so that you can actually, you know, operate almost as like your independence so long as you continue to show that your allegiance is to Rome. Yeah, and that probably was a big high standard where the people of Thessalonica like were really, really important of how they showed their allegiance to Rome over a long period of time. Yeah, and you don't want to lose that. So, you know, anything, things can erode that, like. If people feel as though there's a, a coup going on or yeah. riots in the street or people are losing their allegiance to Rome, then Rome would step back in. Yeah, because that's really important as we read Acts 16, where Paul gets a vision from a man who says, come right? to Macedon- come so Macedonia, man, like that's the region. Yeah. So come to this region, come to this region. And, and then Acts 17, Paul's in that region. He's in this city. And what happens in the city? Oh, it turns into a, a chaotic uproar, <laughs> which is <laughs> Bad very news. destructive if you're a free city. Right. So there, I mean, th- let's pause here. I wanted to say the Bible is not written in a vacuum. It's like real world, real life, real history is there. And I sometimes, you know, we read these stories, we read these letters, and they're so isolated from where we live, work, and play. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's important for me in my own faith to know that the history of a place, it gives me some texture of what's going on. So Acts 17, Paul and Silas, right, end up in this town, and some people come to faith, and there's this really important person, Jason, which I always thought was really out of place when you talk about Greek and Hebrew names, because you don't think of, you know, Jason's like a modern name, like you have friends named Jason. You know, you don't have... Yeah, friends names. Well, maybe you do now because it's cool to have funny biblical names. But Jason's in the Bible. Yeah, so I mean, this is probably speaking to what we what we consider like a pagan culture, right? So right. Thessalonica is a culture that is saturated in the contemporary worship of its day, idol worship, and so you have Paul writing to this letter to this church, like. Man, good job, church. You turned from idols. So you wouldn't write that to probably a Judeo, you know, Christian community that people are turning from Judaism to recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of Judaism. Not even like turning from, from Judaism, but fulfilling, you know, your Jewish roots. Right. You wouldn't say that because they wouldn't be worshiping idols. And so this letter is probably written to folks like Jason or folks that were Roman citizens. Um, some of these women who were in high positions in the city that have turned in to receive Jesus as king. So that's probably just a little insight of who's there. Like you're not talking to a Jewish community, you're talking to a pagan community. Right. But it's very real. I mean, I think that's where it's a real life lived. Like this, like Paul isn't some spiritual guru showing up in a weird alternate universe. It's like flesh and blood, dirt, roads, commerce, living, breathing, having families. Yeah. Um, the, The real struggles that they had are real struggles that we have. And the gospel just invades this place. And their fear, um, you can hear it from Acts 17, is that their their reputation precedes them. Mm-hmm. That the, the people in the town have heard about Paul and Silas and Timothy and what's what's happened in other cities, 
and they say they've come here too. And there's a phrase they use uh, that they have turned the world upside down, which is one of the best phrases in Acts. It's Acts 17, verse six. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. This amazing phrase. This amazing. So yeah, we basically the community then um, we would call this doxing today, where you like throw someone under the bus and give them their private residence. So they say, hey, Paul's over at Jason's house. Right. And those guys aren't going to be good for our community. We're, we have a free city. Right. These people are claiming that there's another king that's not Caesar. His name is Jesus. Yeah, which, King Jesus. King Jesus, which would like shift allegiances. So all of a sudden, like your your society, your communities would be splintered because people start following Jesus. And you'd stop doing things like, hey, we're all going to the bar later. Like, well, I don't do that. I, I follow King Jesus. Or we used to do these practices up at the temple that were sensual. I, I don't participate in those things anymore. I follow King Jesus. We used to do commerce up at the temple and you know, burn incense to Caesar and show our allegiance. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. And so, you know, you don't want that if you're in the free city right? because of the problems it can cause. But Christians are coming to faith, and they're just filled with joy, even though persecution is coming at them. It's amazing, man. So you think about today, right? Like, I think a lot of American Christians have never experienced being put outside the community because of the faith they held. Yeah. And maybe we're experiencing it for the first time in many of our communities that our brothers and sisters are well acquainted of with of, around the world. And we just got to be ready and say, you know what? We, we choose King Jesus. Right. That's a, that's a great reminder for us as we start the book of Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. And so, okay, we're in this Market Up series. Let's, let's, let's jump here. Um, we're in this Market Up series. Calvary hasn't done one of these probably in the last year, right? Last two years? That yeah. well, well, we we're in Acts, which we're is Acts. different than Mark It Up. Yeah. It's kind of like book studies we do all the time. Yeah. Mark It Up is slow, circle words, underline verses, connect thoughts. Yeah. And yeah. they're um, pretty amazing. So if you haven't gotten your uh, First Thessalonians and actually bonus Second Thessalonians ESV journal at your campus, you need to grab one because there's important notes to be taken. There's important highlights to have. Um, it's a great way to study God's word without marking up your own Bible. <laughs> you know, for those who don't like marking up their Bibles, this is a good resource, this journal. I've been told by several people, I don't mark up my Bible. Really? Yeah. That's, a, that's super interesting. I, maybe they're doing it right. I don't know. Maybe they're doing it right. Yeah, my, but... My dad asked me one time after he saw the highlights in my Bible, he said, do you, do you highlight the important parts? <laughs> <laughs> that's really like, funny. No, dad. I don't know. Yeah, so we're in this Market Up series. We're going verse by verse through the book of First Thessalonians. And so what are some uh, great ways to do this? What are some great values? Why do we slow down this much maybe in the Market Up series? Well, I think it's just the centerpiece around God's Word. Um, what a gift it is to have God's Word readily accessible to us. Yeah. We know that it's not just words. It's not just letters put together in recognizable phrases. The word of God is living and active. Like mm-hmm. it's doing something in us. It's it's beneficial to us. It produces something in us. It shapes something in us. It's like putting in a a live, you know, antibody so that it actually keeps you healthy. And so the word of God is something we want to deposit. Like, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep her way pure? By guarding it according to your words, right? So we want to be in God's word. And that's a theme that, you know, we just see in this first chapter, even like Paul shows up. And he shows up with the power of the Spirit, but words 
the word of God, the gospel of God to the Thessalonians. And then they receive the word of God for them, and then they pass it on from them to other churches in the region. And that's one of the catalytic pieces of transformation is God's word. Um, if you're longing for transformation in your own life, maybe in a discipline, uh, maybe in a marriage community, like you want to be in God's word because God's word, just the saturation of it transforms us. And I don't know, I think today, like the, I think our culture is getting more and more primed and ready to receive the Bible, honestly, mm-hmm. because everybody's looking for truth right now, and no one trusts anything. Right. As we deconstruct the world around us, especially younger people, um, I think they're open to saying, hey, listen, you know what? I build my life on this foundational truth. It's yep. called the Word of God, and it has been rock solid for, for me, for generations, for centuries that you could build your life on too. When everything else around you feels like the truth is eroding, Mm -hmm. here's a great way to say, this foundational truth is what I build my life on, my marriage on, my family on, and I want you to to open up and investigate it. Yeah, I've also thought often of, even in this culture, that it's a really good time for us to read our Bibles because we're reading actually closer to maybe what Paul and Silas and Timothy experienced even in their own cultures as they went to these Roman cities because that was eroding in the Roman culture as well. Truth, absolute, you know, right and wrong. All those things were on the fringe or going away. And Paul and Silas and Timothy coming around and say, no, the word of God is actually true, live, active. And I think it helps us read in a culture that is familiar to Paul when we're reading in our own culture. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I think even when we open the New Testament, we see that, you know, Paul is teaching the churches. Paul is giving them instruction. He's exhorting them, encouraging them in God's word. He's also warning them mm-hmm. about people who have no interest in building up their life with God's word, but have actually polluted it by making it for selfish gain, mm-hmm. for using it for flattery, as we'll see, to try to get their name known, and even weaponizing it. And I think we talk about this often. Is you know, I think Calvary is a great example of a church that wants to open their Bible. But just opening your Bible alone isn't enough because you can weaponize this. Yeah, you can. And many people have come from other faith stories when someone has weaponized the Bible, beat it over their head, used it as a a weapon that um, is dangerous and abusive at times even. The Bible can be used in that way and sometimes it has some of the most destructive consequences when it's used that way. So that's where I, it takes a lot of hard work. You want to rightly divide God's word. Mm-hmm. You want to do the, the, the heavy lift of understanding culture, genre, original audience, authorship, which, you know, it just takes time to, to get around it. And so that's why Calvary devotes series like this to saying, okay, let's rightly divide this book of Thessalonians. Yeah, and don't be discouraged if you don't understand right away either. You know, we say this all the time on this podcast, but... To, to understand and to appreciate and to mind and to have the Spirit mind the Word of God in front of you, it takes time and takes lifetime of diligence and discipline. And um, it's definitely fruitful, though. It is. And I, to that point, Jay, I mean, I will have spent hours and hours in this book when we're done. Mm-hmm. And then I will open it afresh a short time after we're done with this series in a few months. And I will think... I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I, I just began to understand what was written here. And it is a lifelong joy. I don't, I don't want to say it's a process. It's a joy of discovering depths and connecting dots. 
that you, you know, I just don't see first pass, second pass, hundredth pass through. Yeah, it's and, the best. And that's why I love Calvary. It's because Calvary's filled with people like you who find a lot of joy and freedom and grace and strength by mining and discovering and digging God's word. Like you're not the only one around here who loves that. You know, there's a lot of people like even this last Sunday, I was, I love the sound of the turning page of the, the Bible. I know you make a joke now, like turn it on, you know, get yeah, to open your favorite, it up, turn it on. Yeah. Open it up, turn it on, get to your favorite app. But I love the sound of turning pages. It's wonderful. Yeah. If you don't own a digital Bible on your phone, grab it. They're free. Yeah. You can choose any translation you want. Um, but I think also owning a physical copy of it is just a, I don't know, it's a sweet thing. I own a few Bibles. Uh, we talk about this. We're kind of Bible nerds. We nerd out on on different prints. But, you know, I, I have different Bibles. I have four kids, and I'm hoping that as I study my Bible, at some point in, in my life, I'm going to hand each of my kids a, a Bible that I've marked up, yeah. that I've studied and read and prayed over and cried over, and, and hand it to them and say, this this is the Word of God that I have built my life on what an internal imp- impact that could be in someone's yeah. life to receive something like that i think is awesome i might hand him an old iphone too <laughs> as well hey for the purpose of this audience and those who haven't been around calvary uh past four or five years we made the decision even in my lifetime here at calvary to to go to a bible translation the esv um it's it's not the extra special version of the bible or it's not the 100% foolproof edition of the Bible, um, but it is a really great translation. We love it. Why did we at Calvary go to the ESV about, what, five, six years ago? Yeah, about six years ago, we went to the ESV for all of our campuses. Um, here's kind of the, the piece of, of Calvary when it comes to translations. There's a long story of translations, and I love talking about it. Like, where did translations come from? When did they pop up on the scene? How did they get from one language to another language? But within the English modern language, there are probably several recognizable translations. Yeah. So that's very generous. I like that phrase. First and foremost is like your King James version, right? Then New King James kind of takes the these and thous and just turns them to use and ours and whatnot. Mm. Um, and then people probably recognize the New American Standard Bible or the RSV. And then the NIV is a big Bible that, or big, a well known Bible that came out in, I think, the 80s. Was it? 83, 84, 84, 84. Popular translation. It's at Walmart, just like the KJV. Yeah. And you and you they had an update in 2011 that had some interpretive issue or you know consequences to it. Yeah. I, I love the NIV. Um, then there's like the New Living Translation, which you know it's very readable. And then there's this, like, the the message, which people can be like, oh, that's not even a Bible, right? But, but I find it helpful for super helpful if you know stages of life what each translation is doing. So right. some people will poke at these and say, "See, this is why you can't trust the Bible," and they don't understand translations. Like, right. why would you translate that? Is because your purpose of use of getting the words of God in our language is different. So full like we just maybe left to right or right to left yeah. whatever you want to think. On one side is like a transliteration, and their primary concern is like word for word translation, trying to be as accurate as possible. So they take the Greek and Hebrew words, the original sources of scripture and translate those Greek and Hebrew words to the English word as best as, as possible. Best as possible. Okay. Yeah. Taking, and what it does is it gives you a, a really literal translation, mm-hmm. but the readability of it is sometimes really clumsy. Yeah. And so you're like, I don't really enjoy reading this. Why do they choose that word or that word? And it leaves a lot of the interpretation, the onerous of that to the, 
the preacher, the studier, the student mm-hmm. um, to say, okay, this, this is what this word can also mean and unpacking, you know, why mm-hmm. we chose words. In the middle, that is, you know, a thought for thought translation, which is, you know, NIV is a good example of that. Yeah. So we're going to do a little bit more interpretation for you in our translation, but we're going to give you what this thought was uh, in the sentence or in this paragraph. And smooth out some of those rough word for word yeah. type sentence structures. And you enjoy reading it. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's, it's accessible. It's more accessible. Right. All the way down to a paraphrase, which is not word for word or thought for thought. It's just like idea for idea. Yeah. Um, where they're trying to just, just get the flow of the text. Mm-hmm. But you're not really studying out of it because you're not tracking words, not tracking syntaxes or, or whatever. So what we said is, hey, you know, one of our campuses was using the New American Standard and one of our campuses was using the NIV a few years ago. And we said, let's, can we just harmonize that and, and have one translation for all the campuses moving forward? Yep. And the ESV became a good option for us because it was still towards the New American Standard word for word, but had way more readability mm-hmm. than maybe the New American Standard did. Um, there's a new version, 2020 New American Standard Bible. Okay. Interesting. That's super yeah, super interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the ESV became kind of our standard or our Bible of choice, not right. because we think it's the truest version of you know, the Bible ever printed, right. but because it harmonized some things for us. Yeah. And like you said on Sunday, and like we would encourage anyone is have a few different translations, what some word for word, some that you can really study out of, uh, some that are, you just enjoy reading. So those are the ones that you can read late at night when you're really tired and still get something out of it. Um, even like a paraphrase one where you can catch an idea or just enjoy the larger story is really important, right? Yeah, I think whatever what gets you in the Bible is helpful. I think yeah. that's a really important. It's whatever you want to read. Yeah. If you read the Bible more, that's a good translation for this you. Is, this is what I found, and um, it's just incredible. For people that knock a certain translation, I don't care what translation you want to knock. Let's just pick on, you know, NIV or something. If you open the NIV, that thing can still get you saved. Yeah, man, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. God does like, his work. Does his work. So God does uh, his work. Grab a Bible, open it up. That thing will get you saved and sanctified. Yeah, by the power of the Spirit. And that's the other thing. It's like we believe in the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's the work of God. Right. And then these are His words. These are the words that the Spirit illuminates that color in who Jesus is. That He used to. That God used to speak by prophets, and now he is most clearly spoken by his son. And these are the words that have recorded the life of the son. And so we believe in the Godhead, and the Godhead has revealed himself in person, in spirit, and in word. Yeah, totally. And if you're confused about these Bible translations, feel free to reach out to anyone on staff at Calvary, pastor, director, and ask them, hey, I need help picking a good translation, or what do you think are some really good resources for translation because you need a study Bible too. And, you know, we, we haven't talked about that, but um, the ESV and the NIV have really good study Bible editions. And that's not this extracurricular material below the line of the God's word. It's not, um, what would you say? Authoritative as much as I would I, just just remember the words on the top are inspired, right? The words on the bottom are commentary, they're commentary, but they'll help you navigate some tricky passages, tricky seasons, and some ideas you might not be familiar with. So yeah. that's another good Bible. It'll build up that bigger picture of context. Who's the author? Where's this thing written? When was it written? What's the genre? And help you understand what you're reading better. Yeah, that's great, man. And then also listen to God's Word. Put it on audio file. 
Bible Gateway, version have these audios of the Bible. So when you're vacuuming, when you're sweeping, when you're walking, when you're driving in your car, you can listen to God's word. And that's an amazing discipline in itself. Just having, because guess what? The first century, most of the Christians who had a Christian life were listening to God's word and never were able to read it. They did not have a personal copy. How crazy is that? Yeah. It's amazing. This is amazing. That's why God gave him the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's remind you of truth. Yeah. Lead you in truth. This is incredible to think about. And you know what? Is you If you don't knock on these translations because some really faithful men and women have died in order to get you an English Bible in your hand long ago. It's they literally amazing. burned to the stake or been put in prison for you to be able to read your Bible in English, which I think is just so inspiring when we get to the text. All right, so a couple of takeaways from this podcast maybe just be the Bible's written to a real-life audience Yeah, that's similar to our audience, and if we do the, the work, we can see ourselves in the story. Totally. That we want to be imitators, and we don't want to be imitators of just really cool people or really cool Christians, but we want to imitate people who are imitating the Lord. Like Paul imitated the Lord, the Thessalonians imitated Paul. It's just like it's like this family tree back to Jesus. Yep, have mentors, be a mentor. Yeah, find time in your life to be an influencer of somebody. Yeah. Let them imitate your faith. Your kids are watching, man. Your kids, especially if you have young kids, you have grandkids, you have the best opportunity to invest in spiritual things within your family. Yeah, take it from Jay and me that small investments have lifelong impacts. Yeah, two years, that's pretty interesting connection in our stories. Yeah. Um, also, if you want a Bible translation, if you're confused about them, don't worry. Don't worry. Just talk to someone at Calvary. Get some help. Just get into the God's Word. You say get some help? Yeah, get some help. <laughs> get some help. <laughs> that sounded like we were like a counseling podcast. No, no. If you're concerned about Bible translations, see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, go find a, a trusted friend who loves yeah. the Lord and see what they're reading. Hey, you know what? I actually just remembered I have a brand new copy of an ESV study Bible Ooh. that someone gave to me that to give away. Yeah. And I didn't give it away. I just like kept it in my office. So if you want an ESV study Bible, come find me on Sunday. Be the first one. I'll give it to you. So the first one to ask Pastor Thomas for his NIV study Bible. Oh, ESV study Bible. Oh, ESV? It's ESV? Yeah. I'll be the first one to ask that. <laughs> hey, we love you, Calvary. We're so thankful for you. Know that we're always praying for you and let us know if we can answer any of your hard questions of faith here at the weekly at calvarybible.com. We love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star review, nothing below five stars on where you're listening to this podcast. Talk to you very soon.